You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. Questions are what lead to answers. Coming to you from the studios at Arlington Independent Media, I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. Thank you. This is a show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations like this one about how curiosity shows up in work and life. So let go of certainty. The opposite isn't uncertainty. It's openness, curiosity, and a willingness to embrace paradox rather than choose up sides. The ultimate challenge is to accept ourselves exactly as we are, but never stop trying to learn and grow. So says Tony Schwartz, an American author who is perhaps best known as the ghostwriter of Donald Trump's The Art of the Deal. I confess, I find the irony rich that those thoughtful lines come from the same person who helped cement our public image of one of the nation's most notoriously incurious people. But I feel like it's the right place to start for today's conversation because today I have the distinct pleasure of being joined by one of WERA's own to explore this idea of engaging with complexity and continuing to learn and grow, of choosing to be curious, maybe even when we don't really like what we're finding. Andrea Cameron is one of what I like to call the Wednesday women of WERA. <laughs> Starting with Renee Fisher and Alyssa Cannon of This Sold House at 9 a.m., then this show, and Melissa Chang of The Melting Pot, and Wendy Mann's The Story Hour, and picking up again in the afternoon with Andrea's Enlighten Me, and the newcomer Vanetta Rather of Defiant Women Whim, and Yasmin Arrington's Millennial Minds, Wednesdays are chock-a-block with energy and insights from smart and charismatic women. It's a great radio lineup of which I am very proud to be a part. Andrea produces and hosts Enlighten Me, a news talk program that aims to educate and inform. From historical perspectives to modern-day stories, she focuses our attention on the issues that everyone deals with, policy, health, education, the economy, current events, and race— some stories that might get a quick blurb in national news get a deeper treatment with her. And she's sure to add a healthy dose of humor in the mix. And here's something else that caught my eye. In her online profile and born out on her shows, this is Andrea. Daughter, sister, wife, friend, producer, master multitasker. <laughs> but the title she likes best is Mother. Yeah. She writes about the ebbs and flows of parenting, told through the lens of today's modern motherhood scope. Mother to a smart, spirited young man and an eager, intuitive young woman, they are all learning together about life, love, and each other. So who better to help me grapple with questions of curiosity and current affairs and kids than Andrea. So oh, welcome. Thank you, Lynn. That was amazing. <laughs> well, yeah, that okay. Okay. Little, um, you know, truth in advertising here. I'm a little fangirl here of Andrea's <laughs> show. So let's back up a little bit. Yeah. What got you into radio? Because oh, you're not man. just here at WERA. No, I'm not. No, I, uh, I actually started in college. And a friend of mine who had a radio program invited me to join his program. Oh, cool. 
And so I was really, really nervous. I'm actually kind of shy, like in, in real life. That's um, the beauty of the radio yeah, I have found. Yeah. Uh, and so I joined his radio program. And after what word, he was so um, impressed that he was like, you should do your own show. Yeah. And so I was like, no, 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 I can't do my own show. That's crazy. Like, I, you know. And then he's like, no, no, no. He kept egging me on. And then I've, eventually I I started my own radio, college radio show and then it went from So was there. it a talk show? Was it? No, no, no. It was music at the time. It was time. music, it was okay. Because I, I mean, talking talk. was just it was too much. <laughs> <laughs> too much pressure. Yes, way too much pressure. So I, I did music at the time. But it was one of those things where um, in between, you know, I would insert my personality and people really gra- gravitated to it. And so I just went from there because originally I was actually going to do television. Uh-huh. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Originally I was going to go into t- uh, television producing. Um, but so you then, were into the media. I was into media from first. Yeah, from, from the very beginning. Okay. I remember, okay. um, you know, if we want to go way, way back <laughs> in high school, we had to do a... Um, a senior project. Uh-huh. I was coming from this really suburban uh, high school. And at the time, I said I wanted to be an intern at The Tonight Show. Oh, okay. And, okay. and my teacher... Why start small? <laughs> this is a woman of ambition. All right. And so my teacher just looked at me, and she had this, like, puzzled look, like, how are you going to do that? Uh-huh. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I mean, I'll like, figure it out. <laughs> I want it, so I'll figure I it want out. It. So uh, that didn't happen. Uh-huh. But at the time, I said, "Well, if it didn't, if it's not going to happen now, it's going to happen, uh-huh. and I'm going to figure out a way to do it one way or the, or the other." Uh-huh. But it didn't, didn't, ha- it did not happen. But eventually, I went on to uh, go to school here in DC and interned at BET. Oh, okay, okay. So I was All an right. intern producer at BET. Yeah, and is that where the interest in current affairs particularly came from? Where no, did that emerge? No, no, no. Current affairs is actually pretty recent. Really, I was working at SiriusXM and had been working as a reporter for a long time mm-hmm. in traffic. And got the opportunity to work in uh, progressive politics oh, okay. um, as a producer for a show on uh, Sirius XM Progress. And we went everywhere. Mm. It was mm-hmm. a very I, I traveled a lot for that um, for that program. And we did everything from uh, cover Occupy Wall Street to the Trayvon Martin mm-hmm. protests. Mm-hmm. We covered Michael Brown. I mean, everything that was into civil rights protests, uh-huh. we covered. Uh-huh. And that got my juices flowing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, your show, sort of in a nutshell, is sort of what matters to me, right? <laughs> right. And, and you say something about it. I'm excited to talk about the things that matter to me. And hopefully, if it's something you haven't heard about, it will matter to you. Yeah, yeah. Which... You know, that to me was the first of many kind of curiosity hooks. Yeah, It's like often we're not curious about things because we just don't even have an inkling yeah. of them. And yeah. then you get a little bit of information. You hear something on your show and you want to know more. Yeah. And and the beauty of your show, of course, is right then you get to learn more because you do these kind of deep dives. <laughs> yeah. But you also give people these pathways, right, to go with that curiosity, to go with, huh, where else might I follow that up where yeah. else might I be thinking about it? or or I'm just going to carry it with me into my day and think about well, there that's showing up right there I haven't <laughs> noticed it before but there it is that's really cool so 
So is that how you decide what you're focusing on? Yeah. So at the at the time that I did um, the the show on prog on Serious Sex and Progress, I went the the host actually gave me an opportunity mm-hmm. to host a segment on the show dealing with issues that women um, care about, women's mm-hmm. issues, and mm-hmm. so I've meshed that aspect mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with what I care about as well. Right. So um, it's a combination sort of of issues that women really care about and other people as well. You know, right. like it's, it's, it's it, it, I want to give it a um, universal appeal, but have it about really specific topics. Right, right. So do you think, I mean, do you use the curiosity lens in the way I you do. approach your work? Yeah, yeah, I do. Because, and it's so funny that you say you're a fangirl of the show, because I really am a fangirl of Choose to be Curious. <laughs> uh, because of the fact that I think that questions are what lead to answers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, the more you ask questions about things that you don't know about, the more it leads to you diving into getting to an answer. And that's really how I try to approach the show mm-hmm. is because I, I want to know about things that I know about and also things that I don't know about. Yeah. Like, I I, I don't want to name drop the, the you know, shows or anything. But the oh, last but you show, should yeah, because the, you have an amazing lineup of guests. The last show that I had was this author that talked about epigenetics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. The study of how our environment shapes who we are just as much as natural uh, selection, right? right like just right. as much as our natural progression through this world, our environment shapes it. So it's like to to sit here and talk to somebody who's way smarter than me and ask them to, to get to pick their brain and ask them questions about how this is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just interesting to me, and it always has been. Yeah. Um, and and it always probably will be. <laughs> <laughs> well, and. You know, I, I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with a professor of philosophy from AU yeah. who talks a lot about paying attention to the stories that get passed over. Yeah. And often that's perspectives of women, perspectives of people yes. of color, perspectives yes. whose lives don't fit, you know, a certain yep. image. And and I feel like that's what you do, too, yes. is that you're looking yes. exactly for those stories that get passed over and sort of what's the story behind the story. Yeah. And what I have really enjoyed Scene is, I mean, I love seeing your kids in the studio, <laughs> but I love the modeling that's going on yeah. for them about uh, paying attention to the stories that get passed yeah. over and 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 being sure that theirs aren't among the stories yes. that get passed over. So, so I want to slide a little bit into that yeah. because I think. I mean, I have two kids, but they're 26 and 27 years old. And I'm kind of relieved, frankly, that I don't have young (laughs) children in this environment because my kids were voraciously curious and they followed the news as young kids. How do you do do that? I mean, what do you... You know, the the funny thing about it is um, my kids are... are, amazingly curious mm-hmm. and they're how old now um seven and five okay that's what i was thinking um right. and so it is interesting it has been a learning experience for me mm-hmm. constant learning experience because yeah, the best parenting is yeah because of the fact that they ask me questions that i would not have ever thought that they would ask yeah. um so like you know my kids follow the news and we don't ever try to to insert 
ourselves into what they are listening to. Mm -hmm. But I remember I did a show a long time ago on bullying. It was like not, it was like um, uh, bullying awareness month or Uh something like uh that. And I had done it with bullying. And at the time, I want to say within that week, my son had asked me, why is Donald Trump so mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And why doesn't he like black people? And those were two things that I was like, whoa, I don't even know how to answer this. Like, it's so, you know, do I insert my opinion into this? Do I tell him, you know, factually what has happened Uh in order for this to, you know, in order for for him to come, that he might come to that conclusion? Like, what do I do, you know? So what'd you do? So I ended up telling him that uh, he seemed to not like, um, immigrants in the country because of the things that he says. And so mm-hmm. I went into the things that he has said mm-hmm. um, in order for him to get a more clear picture of why he might have come to the conclusion that he doesn't like black people. And then I went into, I, I started asking him questions really about like, why does he think that? Like, why mm-hmm. does he feel mm-hmm. that way? Uh, and then we got into a conversation about, you know, the things that he was saying. Yeah. And so that kind of prompted my <laughs> the bullying episode on the show because it was just like, oh, yeah, this is where this has taken us. We went from <laughs> President Obama, which we, they were so excited about, um, yeah. not only because uh, he looked like them, but because of the things that he was doing to this person who was talking in a way that they were like, oh, that sounds really mean. That that sounds really bad. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, one of the things that the research has shown about curiosity is that it leads to empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, and because in being curious about other people's stories, we we get some understanding. We have some experience yeah. of compassion and some some idea about lives that are not like our own. And that lack of curiosity kind of has the potential of leading then to stereotyping and and rigid thinking. Are there things that you do to kind of cultivate your kids in that way? I mean, they're naturally this way, apparently. They're genetically this way, certainly. <laughs> yeah, probably a little bit genetically. But, um, but do you feel as if you cultivate that? Yeah. You know, I used to, when my kids were little... Um, and I say that as if they're not so yeah, little. I know, but they were littler. Right, when they were littler. <laughs> we used to go on walks uh-huh. and explore the things around us and ask questions about the things around us. And so that's what I I want to say prompted yeah. their curiosity to ask bigger questions about m- more things and more things. I mean, like, I, you know, and I would never stop my kids from asking questions. Yeah. So we would go down a rabbit hole uh-huh. of questions sometimes. Uh-huh. You know, why does some why does a chair sit up on legs? What makes a chair sit up on legs? And they would be questions that I would have no idea how to answer. <laughs> right. right, right. So then we, I would say, well, let's look it up. Yeah. Let's see. Well, and you know, there's there is research that supports this that when kids' questions are. Uh, received and responded to, they'll ask more and better questions, that their questioning gets deeper, it gets more thoughtful. Sometimes they're just kind of, I think, just like throwing random stuff out there. It's like, how come there are chairs, you know, legs have, chairs have legs or, you know, whatever. It's like, how does this microphone work, mommy? Right. (laughs) 
Oh my God. If I were to get into, but I'll do it. Yeah. Well, yeah. there is a, you know, sometimes the, the mic has a little filament in it that has that reverbs and that variates your, your, the sound that you put out. And I mean, it just, we'll go there, you yeah. know, we'll go all the way there and they'll be like, oh, okay. Well, why does this, you know, and it, it'll just go until I, you know, I'll say like, okay, let's just look it up because I have I, no idea. You have exhausted what I know. But that's good modeling too, <laughs> yeah. right? Because because then they're seeing you kind of embrace and validate their curiosity yeah. and say, oh, I don't know that, but that's okay. Yeah. S. Leonard Rubinstein, who's an academic, says something about curiosity is a, a, a willing, a proud, an eager confession of ignorance. Yes. But sometimes the hardest thing to say to your kids is, I don't know. Yeah. And yet sometimes it's like the best thing to say to them. I have found that it is the most relieving mm. mm-hmm. because then there's no expectation that you do know everything. Right. You know, be- because I don't want my kids to think that I know everything yeah. because then that would be like, then they would just come to me for everything instead of going on their own to find out because I've I've noticed that now they go on their own to figure out how something is or what something is yeah you know though (laughs) we have gotten so attached to my phone for finding out things Uh that they'll just pick it up and say how do you open this thing again because I want to figure out how this works oh I have a question yeah I I have a question something I want to dig into yeah interesting interesting so so Brian Grazer who's a filmmaker has this great line. He has this book about called, I think it's Curious Mind. And he's a big curiosity fan. He yeah. does these curiosity conversations with people. He's just because he's interested in knowing sort of what their lives are like. But he has this great line about curiosity as a superpower for people who don't have superpowers. Mm. And I thought, this, what a great way to yeah. frame it for kids. Yeah. But like, this is your superpower. Do not let go yeah. of this. Yeah. So what about in the thick of the Kavanaugh? stuff. <sighs> NPR ran a story yeah. about how do you talk to your kids about the Kavanaugh stuff. And uh, um, they had a series of experts on talking about sexual harassment. So they talked about what you should do yeah. in talking to kids about these things. And they and they had a couple of experts and they had some specifics. One, it's your job to talk to kids about this. Yeah. Two, it's not too soon. No. I'm thinking, oh my God. <laughs> um, three, Give them the information. Let them hear it from you instead of from wherever else they may get it. Four, be the askable parent. And I think there they're, you know, thinking maybe a little bit older, but but that that your kids or maybe other kids come yeah. to you and you're the one that people feel like they can ask these questions mm-hmm. of. Not everybody is askable. Or designate someone else that they can talk with, which I thought was really interesting. Mm. And then six, talk both to potential perpetrators, not just potential survivors. Yeah. So that, you know, it's not just the narrative of, okay, girls, you have to be careful, but okay, boys, you know, I raised two boys. And and one of the things my husband and I said very explicitly to one another very early on was, boys will be boys is never an excuse in this house. So how do those, how's that, I mean, thoughts? Yeah, um, I have not actually um, delved into Kavanaugh with my kids. I have delved into sexual harassment, though, mm-hmm. but very preliminarily. Yeah, um, because I I haven't really found adequate language for myself. Yeah, um, <clears throat> being a victim um, that is not that doesn't go all the way there. That I 
don't think that they need right now. Right. So right now, I'm. what starts with me is being the askable parent. Mm-hmm. We've talked very explicitly about body parts, about touch, about appropriate touch, about who is able to touch and who is not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and why. And very explicitly talked about, like, what the exact parts are you know mm-hmm. we don't sh- i don't sugarcoat with this is your tinkle or this is your i don't <laughs> right. you know we right. don't do any of that um because i want them to know what, call it what it is yeah call yeah. it what it is and it's so funny because <laughs> it's so funny because my daughter will will call it um mm-hmm. what it is in class and i've definitely had uh. teachers <laughs> i've definitely had teachers say yeah, so she today said that um, her vagina was itching. And I was like, oh, well, you know, probably was. <laughs> it probably, <laughs> probably did. Well, I mean, but but so there's the point, right? You have so normalized it yeah. that she doesn't have, she's not self-conscious about it. She's not, she doesn't feel shame about it. Yeah. At some point, that begins to turn, presumably. I mean, this, yeah. the social norms start to step in. Yeah. She, I'm, your kids are attuned they're you know they, they pick up on signals very Do you see them picking up on those signals yes yeah, so my son even at seven mm-hmm. um peer pressure is starting to set in mm. and groups are are being formed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and you know there is a hierarchy in groups um and so i've I've tried to so one of the things that my mother actually who is a, an educator um kind of has guided me on is the fact that you know you always want you know even within those hierarchy of groups and the cliques and everything you want them to be able to know that the family is more important than mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. cliques mm-hmm. and so modeling the fact that that the importance lies in the information that you're getting from your family, presumably it being correct information, (laughs) um, is more important. So even within them, you know, being at school and being within those cliques, knowing that if I've gotten my information from my parents who have, again, presumably given me um, really informative answers on questions that I've had, then I'm not taking, I'm taking the the information that I'm getting from school with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I've tried to sort of be other than model to my son, what is appropriate and what's not appropriate. That's where I've modeled that, that the information that you're getting from your family members is, is going to weigh more. It Mm -hmm. should weigh more than what, what you're getting from school. Yeah. You know, one of the things they say about curiosity is that it uh, people people who are more curious have a higher tolerance for complexity and ambiguity and yeah. and you know sort of acknowledging the complexity of the world. Yes. Um, is is an important thing and I and I I guess I think about that also in this in the fake news context. Oh. Like how do you how do you navigate that? How do you get kids to be curious but also to understand that some of the information they get is actually bad. I mean, yeah. particularly when they're accustomed to getting good information. Yeah, that is the thing that has really hurt me, I guess, the most mm-hmm. is people's 
in curiosity regarding news mm-hmm. and where their news sources come from. Yeah. And and I can't say this enough, but sh- the sharing of Internet articles mm-hmm. that are, for one, have no citations, right? right? Have no, have just quotes, air quotes with no attrib- attribution to them so that you can try to research and look up you know, what someone has said or not said, that has really bothered me. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like people are sharing information that they have no idea or or that you can obviously tell that they haven't looked inside the article to actually see the content of what they are posting because they are disseminating information that either they don't know about, um, that they haven't looked at themselves um, that a title has given them all they need to know and that, you know, they're sharing based on a title. It's really disheartening because yeah. as a person who comes from news and my sole job is to look up information and find out the facts and figure out what the actual story is based on information that I've gathered. Um, it's hard. It's, it's just it's it is it is it's like nails on a on a chalkboard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I had an interview oh, probably a year ago with a teacher at Wakefield, a teacher of government, who's working with the News Literacy Project yeah. on sort of teaching news literacy to her students. Yeah. Um, and all of those same, you know, kind of tips and, and hints and things. Yeah. Um, and, and so audience, if you want good attributable news, you know, <laughs> just tune in to Andrea Wednesdays oh, at four. <laughs> so Andrea, we are out of time, but I but we still have time for the big jar of wannabe analogies. Are you yes. ready for this? Yes. Okay. okay, so reach in, take a slip. I'll take one. I'll take one for the audience. We are going to make an analogy to curiosity with whatever is on our slip. So Ooh. you want to go first or you want me to go? You go first and I'll just I'll model okay. it for you. <clears throat> All right. Mine is lightning. Mm-hmm. How is curiosity like? lightning um uh short and sweet uh you never know when it's going to strike but when it does it's really powerful and enlightening (laughs) (laughs) well thank you yeah uh mine is riding a bike and i will say um that practice makes perfect yeah in that you always i feel like curiosity is all about finding things out and and constantly um, searching for, you know, the truth. So if you're curious about something, it is all about continuing that journey. Yeah. And that is like riding a bike. Nice. Get on the bike and ride. (laughs) And audience, yours is window. How is curiosity like a window? That's a good one. It is so good. Let us know. Facebook, Twitter, hashtag analogy. All right. Well, thank you. Andrea, thank you so much for this. Thank you. And thank you for joining us for Choose to be Curious here on WERA 96.7 FM. If you joined us late or want to catch up with this or any of the other great shows here on Radio Arlington, check us out online and on demand at WERA.FM. You can hear all my previous shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, and Facebook, all at Choose to be Curious, or on my website at ChooseToBeCurious.com. Follow me on Twitter at Choose number two, letter B, Curious. Don't forget to send us your window analogy, hashtag analogy. Thanks to Sean Ballack for our theme music, and special thanks to my guest Andrea Cambron, producer and host of Enlighten Me. Be sure to tune in Wednesday afternoons from 4 to 5, and if you're lucky, her kids will be in the booth with her. 
Virginia's midterm elections are next week. So read up, decide what matters to you, and vote November 6th. For more information, visit vote.arlingtonva.us. I hope you'll join me again next time. And until then, just to be curious.